Pastor Ed Taylor urges us to get back to the Bible. So much gimmickry and so much goofiness is happening in the church only because the leaders are failing to seek the Lord. God has a word for his church in these last days. He has direction for us. He has help for us. It's clear. And one of the things that couldn't be clearer is that the church needs to return to the word of God. That's where the source of answers and strength lie, as the Holy Spirit brings them to life in our lives. This is amazing grace. This is It's great to have you along as we present Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll pay a visit to 2 Samuel 6 on this Friday. Here we find David's very public worship when celebrating the return of the ark. David was scorned by his wife for doing so. And to have a spouse do such a thing, could it get any worse? Through it all, we'll be encouraged to keep our eyes on the Lord. Here's Ed. I dare say some of you need to get back to the Word of God. You've gotten away with a lot of bad decisions and you have mistaken the grace of God with the approval of God. But you need to get back to the word of God for yourself, for your own life, for direction. You can't just assume that, hey man, we have have to move the ark so let's build a new cart. Why not build a brand new cart? Not just any cart, let's get a brand new cart. Let's get a couple of strong oxen. That's what we'll do. We'll do it our way and yet ignore the prescription of God. There is a prescribed way for you to be in your marriage, husband. Get back to the word of God. There is a prescribed way for you to be a wife in your marriage, wife. Get back to the word of God. Children, there is a prescribed way why God put parents in your life, a prescribed way to live with your parents. There is a prescribed way in the scriptures how to conduct yourself in the world how to be an employee, how to be a business owner. Every range of life, God has direction for you. Every question on your heart, God has an answer. Don't be like David. David inquired, David inquired, David gathered the king. Don't miss verse one because it would be easy for David to gather 30,000 people. He was the king. But it would also be easy for David to ask the Lord, what does he want to do? God, you've been so good to me. You've been so gracious. You've set me up. One of the most dangerous places for you and I in our Christian walk is when things are going well, when God has been so good to us, when we're experiencing the the blessing and the fruitfulness of God, when we're experiencing the promises of God. That is the most dangerous place for us because that's the place where we fail to inquire of the Lord because we interpret God's blessing as his approval for any decision that we make in the blessing. But we need to always be seeking the Lord in the good times and in the bad, getting our direction. You see, for the church, there's no amount of gimmicks, no amount of games, no amount of fancy sermon series will compensate for the lack of obedience and the lack of spiritual direction of the leaders of the church. 
So much gimmickry and so much goofiness is happening in the church only because the leaders are failing to seek the Lord. God has a word for his church in these last days. He has direction for us. He has help for us. It's clear. And one of the things that couldn't be clearer is that the church needs to return to the word of God. That's where the source of answers and strength lie as the Holy Spirit brings them to life in our lives. But lest we just let ourselves off the hook because I'm speaking to pastors and leaders that might be listening in right now. No amount of gimmicks and game playing, no amount of hypocrisy, no amount of faces that you might put on for people at church is gonna make up for your lack of obedience, your disobedience and lack of direction because you fail to humble yourself before the Lord. It will lead to your hand going up and just taking things into your own hands and finding that death awaits you because you and I, we fail to seek the Lord. When God's work is done man's way and we begin to imitate the world, instead of obeying God, we can never expect to enjoy or even see the blessing of God. It leads to frustration. It leads to anger. It leads to a whole range of emotions, but not the blessing of God. Something happened in those three months I believe David sought the Lord. I believe he got the wisdom and he takes the ark back. And how does it end now? They come in in verse 15 with shouting and the sounds of a trumpet. They're in verse 12 or with gladness. That's what obedience leads to. So much so that David gets excited in verse 14 and he starts to dance. And the idea of that word is twirling around. He's excited. (laughs) And he's got the ephod on. The, the linen undergarments of the king. And he's excited. In verse 16, though, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Mishal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And notice what she, how her response is. She despised him in her heart. His wife is upset. Then, verse 17, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it, and David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Verse 18, and when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins. All the people departed, everyone to his house. But when David returned to bless his household, Mishal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, and and you have to say she's saying it, I believe, very sarcastically. How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers herself. Or himself, I should say. David's excited. This last move of the ark was according to the will of God. It led to gladness, it led to joy, it led to dancing and leaping and twirling. It it led to an expression of worship that, that was encouraging. And here he's met with his wife and she's upset. There's excitement on the one hand and disdain on the other. And I believe the difference is really a focus issue the difference between whether there was excitement in the ark coming back or disdain 
is really on the focus. This is a good day, but Michelle missed it. I had to ask myself, I'm putting this, the, my notes together, I'm ask, I have to ask myself, with my attitude, how many good days do I miss? Let, let me rephrase that. With my bad attitude, that often I can justify for a variety of different reasons, how many good days have I missed of the faithfulness of the Lord? Or, or I see something and I immediately bring some kind of judgment to it instead of just enjoying what, what's happening as unto the Lord. The shawl is here in that place. It's a good day, but she missed it. Her eyes, and here's the key, her eyes are on her husband and not on the Lord. A big mistake. Her eyes are on her husband and not on the Lord. According to Hebrews chapter 12, we're encouraged looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. The idea there, the word looking in the Greek has the idea of staring without Fixing your gaze and staring without looking away. But Michelle had some unresolved issues in her heart and her eyes were not on God. And as a result, she not only failed to enjoy the celebration, the return of the ark, which is a glorious day, she was separated from her husband and ended up coming against him on a glorious day. And the lesson to us is obvious. In our close relationships, in times of difficulty, disagreement, or delight, you keep your eyes on the Lord. You're enjoying it? Keep your eyes on the Lord. You have a disagreement? Man, one of you, one of us has to keep our eyes on the Lord as the enemy would want to do great destruction. It says in verse 17 that as they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David made for it, David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And that's the right order. He offered burnt offerings and peace offerings he brought these offerings before the Lord because it was time for this worship to take place in the city again. He offered sacrifice to the Lord. He offered sacrifice in honoring of the Lord. Then notice, he blessed the people. That's the place of blessing. You want to be a blessing to those in your life? Offer your sacrifices to the Lord first, right? It's always worship. It's always our worship relationship first. That's the order that Jesus gave. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Then we can love our neighbor as ourselves. It's the right order. The right order is we have a right relationship with God first, vertically, upward, our personal walk. And that's what David does. He establishes, right, hey, it's time to offer unto the Lord. We need to worship the Lord for this. Then the people were blessed. We bless the Lord first, we give to the Lord first, we sacrifice to the Lord first, and it's only after you spend time blessing the Lord that you can really be a true blessing to others. There's one more thing that, that I see here before we end out the section here. As you see in back in verse 13, I wanna share with you from John Corson as he shares on this verse in his commentary. But in verse 13 it says, and so it was, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced. Now, I love his comments on this because, and I quote, to sacrifice an animal required great energy and effort, yet David expended this energy and effort every six steps. Now, the world, he says, places great value on efficiency. 
Moving the ark on a cart would have been vastly more efficient than carrying it and stopping every six steps. God, however, values effectiveness. The world values efficiency. God values effectiveness. Efficiency is doing things right. Effectiveness is doing the right thing. I'm like, wow, great insight. What's the right thing for this, moving the ark? Stopping every six steps. You see, throughout Scripture, six is a number of man and the flesh. Therefore, offering sacrifice every six steps says, because I'm a man who deals with my flesh, I've got to stop every six steps, build an altar, lay my dreams, my objectives, my life down. Stopping every six steps says, Lord, it's not about what I want to do. It's about what you want me to do. Therefore, I'm going to offer you this sacrifice of praise, but I'm going to confess my, confess my fleshly tendencies every six steps throughout the day. It's in stopping throughout the day to be altered, A-L-T-A-R-E-D, that the Shabbat or the Kabbad, the glory of God, the presence of God will enter into your city, enter into your ministry, enter into your family, enter into your soul. Consider that, those of you struggling with your mind. Consider your fleshly tendency, those of you that, that, that are struggling, uh, if you will, with being busy and having too much to do and too little time. It was a hard thing, verse 13. Long before they sacrificed in the tabernacle that was erected, every six steps, every six steps, another sacrifice of oxen and fatted sheep. Verse 20 now. Then David returned to bless his household, and Mashal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids and of the servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Now remember, David's love for Mashal went very deep. Even when King Saul took her back and let her marry, gave her to someone else in marriage, if you, those of you that were with us in our study in 1 Samuel, that part of the deal, David said, I want Mashal back. Partly I believe there was a political motive in that, but mostly I believe it was a love relationship he had with her. He loved her. And here, there is a lack of an expression of love as David now responds to that lack of love. And he says, it was before the Lord. What he did, he did before the Lord, who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. I mean, what a great answer. I was doing this before the Lord. You're wrong. I was dancing before the Lord. I'm excited. Perhaps even having to deal with, it's not mentioned here, but even having to deal with the death of a man because of him. And we've seen this, and we'll see this a lot in David's life. The decisions he makes will often affect other people's lives, even to the point of physical death. And it could be he's even dealing with that and the excitement of God's and his forgiveness and his grace, and he's overcome. And he tells her, you don't, it was before the Lord. And then I think he hits on something that we all have to be careful of. And that is, it appears that the fact that David is king and her dad is not is an unresolved issue in her heart. Because he brings it out. There's no indication she doesn't mention anything like that. She doesn't say, why are you dancing? My dad could dance better or something like that. She's not saying anything like that. But David, I believe, inspired by the Holy Spirit as Samuel's writing this, David it says, you know, you're... 
your issue is you, 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 haven't, you, you haven't dealt with the issue of your dad. You haven't brought that before the Lord. What I was doing was right. Me being king was right. You coming against me was wrong. And you know what? I'll play music before the Lord if I want to play music before the Lord. And I'll dance if I want to dance. And I will be even more undignified, verse 22, than this, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. Therefore, Mishal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. As David returns to bless his home personally, he's met by a wife that discourages him. Now, this goes both ways. I know this is a husband to a wife, but this goes both ways. Many times within a, a home that's unequally yoked, you'll come to service, you'll listen to a Bible study, you'll be so encouraged. You're just overflowing with the word of God, you're overflowing with the blessing of God. You, you might even seem a little undignified or you're speaking things that you don't normally speak. You're just so excited, so, so wonderfully caught up in the things of the Lord. And you come home to a home where you're gonna be discouraged. And, and when you come home to a home that you're discouraged, you, you may not have the ability to speak to your wife in this way or your husband this way, or maybe even your kids or your roommate uh, that, that's in your home. But in your heart, you can say, you know what? It was before the Lord. It was before the Lord. And how careful we need to be not to allow people in our lives to rob the joy away from us. And another lesson we learn is how careful we need to be not to leave unresolved issues in our heart before the Lord. Because they'll come out at the worst time. This was a time of celebration. What was she upset about? Well, this was just the time that she saw the opportunity to express these unresolved issues before the Lord, allowing the, 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 the God of healing to heal her heart when it comes to this issue with her dad. Her dad was removed by God himself. And she now suffers a, a, great, a great sadness that she had no children to the day of her death. And God, God, David responds by telling her that God chose him over her father. And, he, he, and this is something that you need to take a stand in. You need to take a stand in with, uh, with spouses that disagree. You need to take a stand with children that disagree. You need to take a stand with friends that disagree. You need to take a stand in your own heart when you've got all these people you know, in your life trying to discourage you or take you away or how could you dance and look what you did and, and, and all of that. How careful you need to be to do what David did. And David's just simply saying, you know what? I owe my allegiance to God. God first, God alone, as he defines all the rest of our relationships. I owe my allegiance to God, no matter how she sees it, David is explaining to her. And because she despised worship and praise, she ends up with the rest of her life having no fruit in her life, no children, no fruit from her womb. And so it is in our lives. We dismiss the worship, we dismiss the, the drawing together, we dismiss our devotional, we dismiss the spiritual things of life. The world will consume us and will take away the fruit from our lives. You wonder why you're so angry? Well, the Bible says a work of the flesh is outbursts of wrath. You're in the flesh, not in the spirit. Because the spirit Controlling in our lives, enjoying the praise of our life, the Spirit gives what? Self-control. 
You wonder why you're so self-controlled in an element of, that would expect you to blow up? The Spirit of God is living in your life, restraining you. Like this relationship with Jesus is real. It's necessary. And when we try to do the will of God in our own way, all kinds of things are going to happen. And yet when we finally recover, though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. Like if you fall seven times, get up and give an eighth time a chance. Get up and keep moving forward. And you find yourself getting up and moving forward. Maybe someone will be in your life to remind you about all the seven failures. Don't listen to them. It's unto the Lord. Worship and sing and dance your heart out. Do it as unto the Lord. Enjoy his presence. It's a sad thing, the ending to this chapter. A glorious day ended with insensitivity and heartlessness of David's wife. But it's true. God's servants, and we tell you this all the time. We plan, we try to tell you ahead. We got the junior high retreat coming up, high school and right behind it. We've got gathering for the women later this year, married couple retreat. We always, we tell you, it's true for the servant of the Lord. How quickly you can go from the mountaintops of joy and happiness down into the valleys of reality and spiritual battle wanting to rip you off from and it doesn't just mean retreats although we use those times to get away because the lord really speaks to us in that but it could be the mountaintop of your devo life just the lord giving you something new in the scriptures there's some fresh insight just something like oh i never saw that before that's one of the things i love about starting over and our reading during the year because as i'm reading through i'm looking what i highlighted before or any notes i have and then i've said man i've never seen that before I mean, I've been reading the Bible for 20 plus years. And how can you not? Man, because there's so much to mine from the scriptures. God has so much to show us. And you could take from the mountaintop of glory to the valley of reality. And it's a key that we have to keep our eyes upon the Lord. Our mouths filled with praise. And seeking him and inquiring him. Because I believe there's a heart. You know, it's, it's very evident in our congregation. It's very evident among you. You know, those of you tuning into the radio right now or however you're watching this, like there's a desire for you to grow in the things of God or otherwise you wouldn't be listening. You wouldn't be seeking and knocking, wanting to hear from God, wanting to grow near to him. It's not the desire. It's the willingness to do God's will, God's way. God's way sometimes costs dearly and painfully. Ongoing but it's his way. That's what he wants to accomplish in your life. He doesn't want you to take the easy way. He wants you to steady on, following him, keeping your eyes firmly fixed on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's rest after endurance, not the other way around. It's not resting and then I'll endure. It's Jesus gave us the pattern. You endure, then you can sit. But until you're at the right hand of the throne of God, till you're in the presence of Jesus Christ, it is the kingdom of God is taken by what? Force. There's a battle going on. Poor David. He'll recover from this. Michelle won't. She'll live a life of difficulty and pain because of her insensitivity. And may the Lord forgive us and, and help us to recover from those high, high times of insensitivity in our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor and a part of our series in 2 Samuel. 
Are you interested in a CD copy of this message? We can send that your way for $2 if you call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-304-7223. For instant access, look for the studies online at calvaryaurora.org. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through the Calvary Aurora app. Search for Calvary Aurora. And while you're at it, download the Grace FM Colorado app. This is a great way to grow on the go. Wouldn't you like to experience revival and power in your life? Well, we picked out an excellent book this month that can help you get on that road. It's The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. This classic book has helped millions experience personal revival with Jesus Christ. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Calvary Road. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE or make a secure donation online at calvaryaurora.org. And those that prefer to write, here's our mailing address, Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado, 80046. Well, that'll do it for today, but come back on Monday when we'll return to 2 Samuel here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.